You're welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Chinedu Nwosu of The Bridge, A Simple Church. Stay back and be blessed. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We're going to read a lengthy text, verse Luke 15 from 11 to 32. I started a discourse last week, a couple of weeks ago, um, which is titled, um, Find Me. Are lost, please find me. But today I want to subtitle today's sermon, the part two of that, the prodigal father. So I want you to open your Bibles with me to Luke 15, 11, verse 32. It's very lengthy, but I want us to read it together. Hallelujah. Are you there? Okay. One, two, go. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the, I can't hear you. Are you ready? Are you there? Are you there? You pull out your Bibles, get to the scripture. Okay, are we ready? Go, want to go. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with a riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son in the field, as he came and drew near to the house, he had music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what things mean it. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come. And thy father had killed a fatted calf because he had received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years I do serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. Yet thou givest me a kid. Does thou, thou never givest me a kid? Then am I merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, and had killed him a fat, you have killed him a fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. 
For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. This thy brother was lost and now is found. Somebody shout aloud, amen. amen. Mighty Father, I thank you for the lengthy reading of your word. Beyond everything I will ever say in the next couple of minutes, I know that the word is spirit. Your word is life. I ask that even just as we have read your word, the spirit of the word, the life in the word, may it begin to minister to somebody in here this morning. Ah, just the reading. May the letters become spirit, become activated with potential capacity, kinetic supernatural power to begin to change lives and to cause things to happen in the life of your children this morning. I bow before you, mighty Father, as I humble myself and say, Father, I decrease before you that you might increase. I disappear that you might appear. I hide behind this altar. I hide behind the prophetic word over this house, which is to ignite a simple God revolution. To say, Father, minister somebody today in a different way. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. We'll give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. If you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. Amen, amen and amen. You may be seated. Glory to God. I started a few weeks ago by looking at this chapter, Luke chapter 15. And if you remember, those who were in church two Sundays ago, I talked about uh, Jesus uh, and three parables or stories that he shared in this text. What I'm simply going to do in the next few minutes is just to exegete um, verse 15 all the way to the end and just make references to the earlier parts that I've mentioned already. We said that there were three parables Jesus shared or three stories Jesus shared. The first one was the parable of the lost sheep. And it was a very simple thing Jesus said. He said that a man had, a shepherd had hundred sheep. And then one got lost and he left the 99 and went in search for that one that got lost. Then he also shared there was also another woman that had 10 coins. And then she had 10 coins, one coin got lost. And then she left the nine that she had and she went in pursuit for that one that was lost. And in this particular parable, Jesus is also likely going forward to explain what he was trying to teach by saying a man had two children. One got lost while one was at the house at home and then when that one which got lost came back with all excitement he ran out to go and meet that one lost son that was now had to come back and starting from there today and I remember I said last week or a few weeks ago that there are two kinds of lost people that those who are lost and they are outside and those who are lost and they are inside. So Jesus in that particular discourse in Luke chapter 15, if you ever went back to go and read it, you will know how it started. It started with Jesus having a conversation with sinners, publicans and sinners and harlots inside the house while there were Pharisees and the scribes outside. And they began to murmur to themselves that why is Jesus sitting with these unbelievers? That Jesus told them these parables. Because in the mind of Jesus, the two sets of people, the Pharisees and also the 
the sinners, the so-called publicans, were both lost. It's just that one was lost and was outside. The other one was lost and was inside the house. And Jesus was trying to reach out to both of them. In the case of those who were conversing with Jesus, the sinners and the Gentiles were with Jesus inside the room. So they were lost looking for Jesus and they were inside in search of Jesus. Whereas the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees and the scribes were lost, but they were outside. But both of them needed Jesus. Jesus therefore shared the parables to explain himself further. He said a man had a hundred sheep, one got missing. So he was thinking about one got missing, he was lost and he was outside. So Jesus said that shepherd was so felt that that sheep was so precious that he left the 99 that could be found and he ran outside to get the one that was lost and that was outside what about the one of the coin this woman had 10 coins she lost one inside her house she put on the light inside the house looking for that which was lost so that that also tells us that Jesus is not just interested about with those who are lost that are outside and all but also those who are lost that are inside I shared with us that day some of the in our contemporary times and example of people who are lost but they are still inside the carnal christian the backslidden christian the sanctimonious christian the nominal christian the consumer christians these guys they are in church they are dancing with you but they are lost they still haven't found the god that they came for they might be around but they are not found yet they need the gospel that somebody says i'm a christian does not mean that he doesn't need the gospel that somebody says i go to church does not mean that he doesn't need that, he, that does not mean that he doesn't need the gospel why because he can be lost and he's yet inside am i making sense break up but today i simply want to deal with being lost and you are inside but beyond that i want to look at the heart of the father for once again to explain to us and hope that we catch a little bit of the heart of your father and how your father sees you and also sees the typical unbeliever who is lost whether inside or outside that's what i want to explore this sunday morning is anybody with me so far but if you're with me say yes all right, let's go. So, in, so I'm going to simply exegete this very quickly and just show you a few things that I hope that will cause you to go back and look at the text again. Now, let me start by saying that this particular place I've read, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, verse 11 all the way to 32, has been popularly called the parable of the prodigal son. Have you heard that before? In fact, perhaps in your Bible, it is written the parable of the prodigal son. But I want to start first of all by challenging and querying and question that. That you know that first of all, uh, let me ask. I hope you know it wasn't the Holy Ghost that named it the Bible of the prodigal son. Hello? Because in my Bible it's not even there. It's some other Bible it's trying to explain it. So human beings did that. So I want to query and say, is it really about the son or about the father? Because if you remember why Jesus even told them the story in the first place, they were wondering why somebody who came from God will have the temerity to dine with people who were unbelievers. In quote, dine with sinners. So Jesus told them the story because he was trying to talk about the father's love or trying to justify why he was sitting down with those people and having conversations with harlots. Are you with me so far? Alright. So Jesus starts in that parable by saying there was once a certain man so the subject of the text, the subject of Jesus' parable, the subject of what he was teaching was not the son, it was the man. Because the story says there was once a certain man. If he was going to be that it was about the prodigal son, then he, Jesus would have said there was once a son that had a father and another son, brother. Hello? 
So that's my argument. So, so, but Jesus didn't start that way. He started by saying there was once a man, there was a certain man. So the subject of the conversation was really the certain man. Just as in the other parables we also saw. The first one, the parable of the lost sheep. Lost sheep. The subject is not the one sheep that got lost. The subject of the conversation is the shepherd that left 99 sheep to go and search for one sheep. Because if it was somebody like you and I, you would say, what is it? It's only one that is missing. I still have 99. Let me just enjoy my 99. But Jesus was trying to express the kind of heart that shepherd had. That even one, losing one sheep was important to him. So he left 99 that were already found. And went into the desert. Went into the wild in search of one, just one sheep. He used all his resources to go and run after one sheep. That sheep must have been extremely important to the shepherd. He continued, what about the one that had 10 coins and lost one? Hello, you still have nine. Why are you spending all your energy, your effort, running around looking for just one coin? But that one coin was important to the widow, was important to the woman. So she left the nine that were found, put on the light in her house, got a candle, and was searching for that one sheep. So the text really is talking about a certain man. It's about a certain father, a certain father that had two sons. So Jesus is trying to tell them a story or a parable that the subject is the father, not the son. So you can like, that's why I titled this text, first of all, the parable of a loving father, number one. But if you even want to look for somebody's trouble, you go a bit further and say the parable of a prodigal father. And I'll tell you why I say he's a prodigal father. Not just the prodigal son. Of course, the prodigal son was also a key text. In every movie, there is the key, there is the main actor, right? And then there is supporting actors. So the main actor or the main star in this story, in this movie, is the father, not the son. But for some reason, all the attention has been shown on that young boy. And they have left the particular importance and the thing that Jesus was referring to. The love of the father for the son. And to compare that love the father had for his son with the love the older brother had for his younger brother. If I was going to push it even further. Compare the love the father had for his son with the love the older righteous brother had for the wayward, wanton, prodigal, wasteful younger brother. Hallelujah. And we see very clearly in the beginning of the text already before we even go too far that the father's heart and the father's love still yearns and burns for everyone who is outside. I often hear this and I say it over and over. When I hear some people talk about people who are unbelieving and how they are going to hell, they say it with such relish and such joy and they tell you narrow is the way and all of that. I wonder, do they know the heart of the father? Concerning everyone who is lost, everyone who is going to hell. Do you think that Jesus is throwing a party? You think there's a party going on in heaven because a lot of people don't know Jesus, have not accepted him as Lord and personal Savior, and they're going to hell? You think that God is happy? You think that God wants to narrow down a few people that others might burn? No! He is ready to leave everything else to run after that one soul that is lost outside. And God is today calling on you to find out and to search your heart and to connect to his heart so that as he will run after that one sheep outside you too should have a desire to run out and look out for that one sheep that is lost on the outside 
they are lost and they are outside and they are scared looking for a family looking for a home looking for a church looking for a household to belong to why all of us are in church singing kumbaya like the older son but I'll come to that later the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 6 to 11 to display the heart of the father once again I told you that in the next couple of weeks and last a couple of weeks and today I will be preaching out of a burden of what God has laid in my heart. If you look at Romans chapter 5 verse 6 to 10, we see Paul give us a sneak peek of an idea of how the Father thinks, how God thinks. Let's look at it very quickly. Romans 5, 6 to 10. He says, for when we were yet without strength, when we were yet couldn't could help ourselves. Romans 5, 6 to 10. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, a good man, some will even dare to die. But verse 8 says, but God commended, God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet lost, while we were yet useless to him, while we were yet of no use to him, he sent his son to come and die for you. He came to die for us. How much more then, being now justified by the blood, that we shall be saved from wrath through him? Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, God by the death of his son how much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life Jesus God has a heart longing and yearning for all those who are lost on the outside that is why even when we were yet sinners Christ didn't die for you when you said you would change Christ didn't die for you when you said you stopped lying. That's not when he died. While you were yet lying, he loved you so much. While you were yet lost on the outside of the commonwealth of Israel and the family of God, he sent his son to go and die for you. So it means that God is willing to do absolutely anything to ensure that those who are lost on the outside come into his home, come into his family. That was the key summarize of the text. The Bible says in First, first Timothy 2.4, he says, speaking concerning God, Paul talking to Timothy, said, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God's desire is that everyone be saved. Is that that guy walking down the street near you, that your neighbor, that person you think duped you, that person you think stole from you. That person you think is talking about you. God's desire is that that, that person come to be saved come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ that is his desire his desire is never that they should go to hell and go and die no so if that is what you are praying for them about you are praying contrary to the will of God it was the sons of uh, sons of Zebedee that said to Jesus one day they were trying to go to a city Samaria Jesus was passing through one of the cities of Samaria and they did not allow Jesus pass through with his ministry so one day they were passing by and they said to Jesus Jesus let us recall fire from heaven to consume these people that don't want to allow you come and preach in their cities Jesus said what are you guys talking about that you know not what the kind of spirit that you have you should not be calling down fire to consume your enemies, to consume those that didn't speak to you, people that I have come to die for, people that I have died for. No, you should be praying rather that God will send the laborers to them because they are harvest, that God will send the laborers to them and God will save them and bring them into his kingdom. He says, you know not what a man you are. Some of us have no idea what kind of men that we are or what God has made us to be. So I call this man, I call this text the parable of the prodigal father 
because if you look at the meaning of the word prodigal, what is the meaning of the word prodigal? For those who are getting a bit upset with me. The word prodigal has two meanings. It says, the, the dictionary says to spend money or use resources freely and recklessly. To be wasteful, to be extravagant. It also means to have and to give something in a lavish scale. Prodigal means to have and to give something in a lavish scale. I agree with you. That son was wasteful. The second son. The younger son was wasteful. The second younger son was, was reckless with his resources. But the one who was even far more wasteful was the father. Far more wasteful than the second son. Far more wasteful than the sons, all of them combined. Far more reckless with his resources. And far more reckless with his love for his children. That he was willing to waste it. And he did not even mind. That is why he is the parable of the prodigal father. That describes the kind of God that you serve. The kind of Jesus you serve. is a reckless lover. He's an extravagant lover. He's an extravagant giver. He's a reckless pursuer. Jesus will pursue you to the depths of hell to bring you out. I think it was David that was complaining that where can I hide from the presence of God? That even if I went to the pits of hell, the presence of God will go down there and pull me out of it. I don't care how bad that individual is. My God is a reckless lover. He's a reckless giver. He's an extravagant lover who will run to any length to get them to come to the knowledge of Jesus. If only you and I will stop behaving like the second son but behave more like the father. Because today we are like the second son. The second son was in his house. He never asked for anything. He was a good guy. He was a responsible guy. He was walking. He was serving, serving the father. He was doing everything right. And he was hoping that one day the father would give him one reward. Foolishly. He didn't know that everything the father had was already his. If he wanted to throw a party every day, he could have thrown a party every day. The man who was able to give his younger son everything to go wouldn't have minded if he was throwing a party every day. But he couldn't think of it. He was trying to be good in two shoes so that the father would love him more. Oh. Let me leave my text because I'm trying to follow the text, but trying to be good to show so the father will love him more. But he never asked himself for one moment, what was my father really thinking about my younger brother? I want to leave what we have always heard about the prodigal son and talk about the prodigal father, the wasteful father, and let me demonstrate to you how the father was wasteful. Number one, the Bible says one day this man who was a wealthy man very rich man. One day, his second son came to him and said, Father, I want a portion of my inheritance. That Bible in KJV says, the man shared his living to them. Look at that scripture. He shared his living. So, he shared the thing that he could have used to sustain himself. He shared it to his sons. He gave it to his second son. So, it was not an excess of what he had. This was everything that he had. He shared. So, if he had 100 naira, he shared them 50-50. So, that to himself, he didn't have much again. The Bible says he shared his living. And he gave his living to the second son who came to ask. Listen, inheritances are given when people are dead. That's when they share, not when people die alive. So when he was, the second son was asking the father, give me my inheritance, I want to go and squander it. What he was saying is, father, I wish you were dead. To me, father, you are dead. Hurry and die. 
I can't wait for you to die. I want it now. So why don't you just die? And the man didn't have any, have any problem with that. He said, okay, to show you how reckless I am, how lavish I am, how extravagant I am, I will share to you a part of my living. Carry it and go. He didn't curse him. If it was our fathers today, they would say, well, this morning you are going with. <laughs> they will place a curse. For dishonoring me, wishing me dead. He said, carry and go. You are my son. I love you and I will love you to hell. I will love you anywhere you are. He left with the son. After many years, to cut the long story short, the man has squandered everything that the father gave him. And then he was now thinking that he will come back. Do you know, when I read the text, I don't see what you see. What I see is a man who comes to the balcony every evening and is looking out the horizon, looking and wondering if his son is somewhere around. What I see is a man who will ask someone who is the seed. Well, one writer says that they believe that if it was a true story, that that wonderful place the man went to was, would have been a city called Antioch, one of the Greek cities. It was a city of enjoyment, unlike Jerusalem in those days. That's where the Gentiles were. It was where it was the Lagos of that time, where Jerusalem was the where's the religious capital of Nigeria. Eh? Sokoto. <laughs> okay, where like where like Jerusalem was the Sokoto. You know, that was like the Lagos, the, the nightlife. So I believe the man would have gone to, anytime he heard somebody came from Lagos, he would have asked them, did you see my son in Lagos? Did you see my younger son in Lagos? Did you see my younger son in Antioch? Did you, have you heard anything about him? When did you see, because as long as the father, the son was not in the house, the father's heart was consistently thinking of him. Even though he had given him part of his living, his heart was still yearning for the welfare of his younger son always thinking of the boy standing on the balcony and he was looking why do I say that because the day the boy was coming back the father was the first to see him that means that he was always at the balcony looking out for his son and he saw him from a long distance you don't see somebody from a long distance if you're on the ground you see somebody from a long distance if you are somewhere high up so I believe that the man went to his balcony and was always doing that every day looking out for his son the Bible says that when he saw his son coming he didn't wait for all, oh, number two. Another sign of his recklessness and the kind of love he had was that he didn't wait for the boy to even come. He said he saw him a long distance and he, the father, ran downstairs, ran all the way to where the boy was and met him and he hugged him and he kissed him. The boy had rehearsed what he would say. I've, I've sinned against you, sinned against my father. They didn't even wait to hear what uh, KJ... MSV says, when the boy even was trying to show that he was repentant, the father didn't even listen. He wasn't even listening to that. He was too carried away that he saw his first, his second son, that he began a party, never even listened. This will shock me because it means that God did not even wait for the fruit of repentance for him to start loving the boy. Did you hear me? If it's me, I have two sons, coincidentally. <laughs> If one of them says they want to go, when I say they should not go, when they come back, I will receive them. Maybe not from the balcony. I'll just be in the living room, turn off the lights, so that when they come, put on the lights. Are you back? Three years, where have you been to? Then I'll just keep quiet and let him suffer first. Where are you going to? Your room? For what? Go and stay in the garage. Stay there for some time. That's what I would do until I see fruit of repentance like some of us religious men 
We will not love that unbeliever until they see some fruit of repentance. We will not give them anything until we will not help them. We will not accommodate them. We will not bring them until we see some fruit of repentance. Let's see some remorse. Let's see how holy they have become. You have wasted your life. So we want to see that you have really changed before we can love you. The Bible says he didn't even wait to know whether he was really truthful about what he said. He said immediately go and throw a party. He said bring out a robe. Oh Kabada, your garment shows that there are different kinds of robes in a home. There are robes for slaves. There are robes for servants. There are robes for sons. And there are robes for special sons. That's why Joseph had a special garment made by his father Jacob. He brought out the special garment. Say, put it on him. And he said, bring out that ring and put it on his finger. This is my son. Let me tell you something. When the boy was outside, he was still God's son. When the boy was outside dancing and singing and squandering, he was still a son. The sonship never left. He did not stop being a son. That's why he said to himself, even though I'm a son, I want to become a slave in my father's house. But the father said, no, you can't be a slave because you are a son. You have always been a son and nothing can take away your sonship from you. In fact, you are a special son because you came back. What kind of man is that except a very wasteful man? Very extravagant man. Very lavish man. And not just that. He said, there is a calf I have been fattening for a special occasion. I haven't found any yet. Go and kill for me the fattened calf. Let's not forget that he had shared his living already. Where was he getting all of those things from? And why would you want to spend something on somebody who has wasted what you gave him already? Look at the heart of this man. He wasn't thinking like you and I. He wasn't thinking like you and I. He threw a party. They were singing and they were dancing. All he was concerned is that that son that was lost has now been found. Let's throw a party to show forth his recklessness and his abundant love then comes the special part the second son now comes back the responsible son now comes back who has been dancing in the house or rather walking in the house slaving for daddy doing everything for daddy and then he came back the bible says he was angry before you judge him like i said i would do the same thing if i were here today shows that even me too i need to try to have that heart that the father had I can't be here walking. That is why very religious people find it difficult to accommodate and express love when they see the so-called not-so-faithful people prospering. Because they're asking themselves, why would God be blessing this person and he's not blessing me? Maybe that I'm walking day and night. And that is the real reason why some very super spiritual people, you know what I mean, the spiritos don't want you to look nice. Because they are not looking nice the way they are. Why should you be looking nice? They are suffering. Why should you be suffering? Why should you be enjoying? So he said, Father, how can you do this to me? I've been here saving you every day. And you never threw a party for me. One thing the boy never thought to himself was that he never thought about what the father was going through. He didn't have the heart of his father. If he had the heart of his father, what would have given the father greater joy with him? Not that the father was not happy with him because he was always in the house. Imagine if that elder son had gotten up and said, Father, I see your face. You're not the same. 
without my younger brother. I want to go out and take, give me three or four of your servants. Let's go out and look for that boy and bring him back home. That is what God expected of the second son. I say, I'm using God and the father. That is what the father expected of the first son, the responsible son. It's good you're walking in my house, but above walking in my house, there are some people who are meant to be here that are not here. It will give me greater joy if you know the heart that I have and go out and go and fetch them into my household. That is so that my joy will be satisfied. So that that one sheep that is lost will come back to my house. So that that one coin that is missing, I will find it again. Why don't you help me fulfill the desire of my heart, which is to go and look for the lost songs that are outside. But unfortunately for us, we seem so comfortable to be in church. Christians love church. If you go to every church today, it's full. They are dancing, they are singing, but there are no, no impacts being happening, happening outside the church. We are doing everything in the church, but nothing happening outside. God is not just interested. He is happy with the worship you give him. But what will give him greater joy is to have his household full with those who are outside. What the good son would have done was to, like I said, go out and go and bring every lost son that is inside. And you would have seen the smile. So that when the father begins to throw the party, you will also feel you are part of the reason why the party has been thrown. Do you think the boy would have felt bad if he brought his son back home and the father began to throw a party? I think the father would have even killed two fatted calves. One for the son that came back and one for the one that had the audacity and had the liberal mind and had the extravagant heart and the compassionate heart to go out to go and bring his lost brother. There would have been two fattened calves killed that day if the boy had done what God expected of him to do. To cut the long story short. What I want you to know today is that God is pleased with you, but God wants to throw a party because of you. And that God wants you to not just be in church like the good son. Of course you should serve the father. Of course you should work with the hired sons, or with the hired servants. Of course you should do those things, but what will give God the greater joy is for you to say, Father, shh, what? let me carry the burden, the heart, what you have, the heart desire that you have for these people who are outside, and send me as a laborer. It was Jesus that said that the harvest is plentiful, but the problem is the laborers. There are not enough laborers out there. There are not enough laborers out there. Never think there are. They are not. Because you have not gone. Because you have done nothing to help. Everybody's doing on their own, on their own. God's like, ah, but I want a full house. Why are you giving me an empty house? I want a full family. Why are you giving me an empty family? Where is everybody else? And you know the exciting thing about the scriptures is that in the book of Luke, this, this prodigal son is painted to look like like. A, a backsliding Christian, so he was in the house. When you look at the scenario, like a backsliding Christian, but I mean, the, and the lordship as well. But in the book of Matthew, sorry, in the book of Luke, he's painted to be a sinner. But in the book of Matthew, he's painted and scared in such a way that he refers to a backsliding Christian. So God is interested in the those who are Christians nominally, but do not know are still lost. God is interested in them as much as he's interested in those who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and all have heard but have not made a commitment to be sons of God. So the question I have for you today, are you like the older son or like me, we might be the older son who are doing great things in the house of God but have no care, no concern for those who are perishing outside. Have no care, no concern 
for those who need to hear the gospel. We come on Sunday, we sing, we dance, we rejoice. We think God doesn't want to sing and dance with the songs that are outside as well. The title of this sermon is, I'm lost or lost, please find me. There are many outside there. The Father's heart is that there are many outside there who are waiting and seeking to be found. What are you doing about it? Look at your neighbor and say, what are you doing about the lost? What effort are you making to save the lost? Talk to your neighbor. I want to hear your neighbor. What effort are you making to save the person who is right across your desk in the office who has not accepted Jesus as personal Savior? What effort are you making to drag them to the presence of God? What are you doing? Stop being grumpy. Stop being judgmental. Imagine what would have happened if the father was not around and it was the second son that saw that boy coming. It would have looked like a typical church. Look at them, they're coming. Unbelievers. Look at what she's wearing. She thinks she can come to God's house like that. I know what she did last night and now she's coming to church just like that. Block the door, block the door, block the door. Block the door. Block it. Look at what she's look at, look at him. Why is he wearing that thing? Go and give him a scarf to cover his head. Shave your head. That's all they will say. And they will keep the, he would have kept the boy somewhere. Go and stay with the slaves first. You think so? You know, you get sense. You don't go jolly finish. Now you want to come and enjoy with us here too. Come and rub shoulder. Thank God that that young boy did not meet the older brother like some of us here. Thank God he met the father from a distance away. Thank God he met the father. But I know that after this sermon, you will not think like the older brother anymore. You will think like the father. Those who are coming to the church, you will open your arms and receive them. Do you think when the boy came back home, he stopped thinking of the pattern he was having out there? I don't think so. It would have taken time for him to change his ways to even though he has changed his heart but he would have been relishing some of the things he was doing he thought was enjoyment he wouldn't have changed he wouldn't have act fit in immediately as a son he would have had some slave mentality because that's what he was doing where he was in Antioch he was serving swine do you know what it takes for a Jew to be feeding pigs Jews don't eat pigs he was feeding and taking they don't come near pigs is I want to say haram <laughs> it's haram <laughs> abomination but this Jew was feeding them he was not only feeding them at some point he wished he could eat what they were eating and they told him you can't even eat it he said that he wished he could eat what they were eating but they didn't even give him what the pigs were eating to eat he was not permitted to eat it he fell to the bottom he was thinking like a slave so when he came into the father's house I assure you he would have been wearing the garment very scared acting like a slave but with time he would have been transformed to begin to think like a son again so that when you see them coming to church acting all scared all confused acting like this place looks strange it's time for you to pull the person close to you to love on the person and make the person feel comfortable you're not condoning what he's doing you're just trying to let him know that he's in his father's house <laughs> you're back home now you're in your father's house 
to feel comfortable. So I forbid anyone to see anyone here and make them feel uncomfortable. They're in their father's house. Have they become everything they're meant to be? No, but they will. If they continue to hear the right words, the right scripture, the right sermon, the right thing, if, they keep, if you keep modeling who a father's son is to them, they will become that. But if you keep locking them up and tagging them, they will not change. They will feel bad. They will always feel ostracized and cut out. Hallelujah. Look at somebody say, this is your father's house. So please feel comfortable in your father's house. Tell him, I know you don't deserve it. I know you don't feel like you're, you're, you're your son or your daughter, but it is your father's house. Tell him, don't worry, with time you begin to feel that way. When you know your rights and your privileges, you know the privileges that you ought to enjoy in the father's house, you will feel that way. Look at your neighbor and say, relax, you're in your father's house. And tell him, above all, you have a prodigal father. Should you take it for granted? No. But it's not because of you, he's prodigal. He's prodigal because of him. He's just lavish like that. He's just extravagant like that. Bow your heads, let's share a word of prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for in the simplicity of how you've asked me to communicate the heart of this sermon I have spoken to them. And there is a call to action that everyone here should stop thinking like the older son and think more like the father. And to have the heart, the body, the desire, the pursuit, the tenacity, the, the forgiving, recklessly forgiving spirit of the father. So that whenever they go out there and they see the lost sons of the father, that they will reach out, stretch out their hands, fall on them, kiss them, welcome them to the father's house. Father, I thank you because I know that beyond the words I have spoken, beyond the examples I have shared, your spirit, your word, your Holy Spirit, your fire, your anointing, your glory is in this place and is touching somebody right now. It's touching somebody right now. You said you take away our heart of stone and you give us a heart of flesh. You said you take away our heart of rebellion and give us a heart of obedience. And so mighty father, we bow our hearts before you and say, father, reach out, touch us, touch my heart touch my heart. I lift it up before you today. Father, read every spirit of rebellion, stubbornness, hardness of heart, the spirit of self-righteousness, the spirit of performance, the spirit of, 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 of reward, the spirit of merit, and give unto me the heart of forgiveness, the heart of mercy, the heart of grace, the heart of love, the heart of the prodigal father. Thank you, mighty father using myself as, a, as first of all the first one with a repentant heart I repent before you knowing that I haven't even lived up to the things I've preached about today I've also been very judgmental so Father I repent just repent before God and say Father we want to turn our hearts our minds to think more like you to talk more like you to relate with people more like you to carry the burden that you have more like you hallelujah I want more of you 
You've just listened to an amazing message by Pastor Chinedu Unwosu of the Bree Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at the Nafield Arcade and Water Park, Vuse Zone 7, and midweek services at the Chiroton Hotel, number 30 Sokode Crescent, Vuse Zone 5. God bless you.